I'm not going to get good Charlotte out of my mind. Sorry about that. That's my fault. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even need to say that. That is my fault, though. All right, let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Happy and Holy Podcast, Episode Two. We made it to the to the second one. Congratulations we we have accomplished um, progressing into Episode Two. See, we didn't just quit at one. We said we'd be back. We would do it. Hours of conversation later, we finally managed to hit record. We've talked for like four hours before this episode and then, hey, let's actually record. (laughs) But here we are. Welcome to the Happy and Holy Podcast with your special host, Jamie. Hello. And Wendy. And here we are. And of course, happy and holy is a phrase that has been coined by the darling of Bulgaria, Jojan Banoff, uh, one half of the Joy Apostles, Georgian and Winnie Banoff. Um, the phrase goes like this. The world wants you happy, but not holy. Religion wants you holy, but not happy. The good news is Jesus came to make you both. To make you both, 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 both. Okay. So we, um, with, of course, being under um, the influence, under the influence of that message, we have taken to recording um, a podcast, taking our phone conversations to the big screen, to the big screen. And um, here we are just recording and talking and letting you be a fly in the wall. And we hope, we have of hope that the these episodes would inspire, maybe educate, maybe um, make you laugh, could make you cry, could make you manifest. That's okay too. Um, but we're just here to bring you joy and um, influence your holiness. And <laughs> we hope to do that effectively. Now, a little, a little backstory short little backstory. I actually have my own podcast, which is called The Wits of When. Lots of fun recording. Um, but I really treasure my dearest friend, Jamie, my best of the best, best. And um, I really felt like it was it was time. It's time to bring our conversations to here. And so I have not transitioned completely out of Wits of When. Um, from those from the audience that is coming from Wits of When, hello to everyone who's new to us. Hello, we are here. But this is not in replacement of Wits of When. This is not either or. Just letting you know that we have, there are both. 
but we also have this. And so I'm really excited to do this project. There are so many things coming, so many things coming from this podcast. Um, so many fun segments. I'm sure we'll have guests. I'm sure we will have many things to talk about that you can connect to. We are just glad you're here. Jamie, say what's up. What's up? (laughs) Really, really thrilled. We are finally taking our highly anointed phone calls public. (laughs) And, um, I'm absolutely thrilled that I get to discuss all of the things that bless me and irk me about ministry in the church with the woman I consider one of the wisest alive. Absolutely in awe that I get to know you and is absolute evidence of the existence and goodness of God that I get to do life with you. It's an honor to do life with you. (laughs) Ah, Okay. And honestly, this sounds very braggadocious of us, but you should feel honored that you've been brought into our conversations Um, because we're here. And some of these things are pearls. These are pearls that we pray have not been cast before swine. And here we are casting pearls out. And so in all things, of course, we have a website. We have we have many things. We have social media. We have a website. Uh, we have an email. Please hit us up, thehappyandholyco at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, concerns, and of course, your complaints, because there's a big old garbage can for your complaints. And um, so we would love for you to send them our way. And of course, our website, happyandholy.com. It is up there. You will find all things happy and holy, um, including res- uh, resources. I say this now because the website has not been completely built up, but there w- it will be there. And we'll have resources. If you're ever wondering, like when we say something or we mention somebody and we're like, wow, that was really good. Or we mentioned a book. Wow, that was really good. How can I find that? Our hope is that the website will take you to all those things. If you're listening, you have probably found us on Apple Music. Nope. Apple Podcasts. Spotify, um, Google, Amazon. We are on all things in all forms. And of course, YouTube. And if you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. And of course, hit subscribe and hit share. Love you guys. Thank you for being here. Jamie. Yes. Did you hear? <laughs> Did you hear? Um, I have now been practicing to be a woman for about 10,950 days. Mm-hmm. And I have not been given a brand deal. That's absurd. It's absurd. You identify as a woman, don't you? Clearly fully through and through. And that hasn't garnered you a, a brand deal? No brand deals, not even for candy. That's, that's ridiculous because as far as, I've seen in our society, if you identify as a woman, that's enough to get you a brand deal and at least a certain amount of social media fame. Some, oh man, that's what I should have been doing mm-hmm. out of the womb. I should have been like, Hey guys, day one of being a woman. And, um, what have I experienced so far? It's just lots of hunger and, uh, I'm cold and, um, you know, my mom's cool. She gives me milk. Mm-hmm. 
you know, maybe if I would have started right out of the womb, um, documenting, documenting what it was like to be a woman, mm-hmm. probably would have had a brand deal by now. Could have paid my and way people, through college. People don't know what, um, since people don't know what a woman is, it's really important that we who identify as women inform people about what it is and how it's done and what it feels like and what being a woman entails. Yeah, I agree. If, if it was me and um, if I was looking for a brand deal for the accomplishment of being a woman for 10,950 days about Circa, Mm -hmm. I would pick, you know, I would maybe LaCroix, like you could, I could take a brand deal from LaCroix. Nothing more feminine Um, than LaCroix. Yeah, possibly. Um, well, like Activision, like Xbox, like I can get like a gaming, I can mm-hmm. get a gaming brand deal, maybe something. Um, Apple, Apple, if you want to give me a brand deal, like that would be cool. I could represent you really well. Honestly. Um, and when you do get that brand deal with Apple, get me a new computer charger. Cause mine hasn't worked since the day I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I could use some brand deals from like Hanes. I don't know, like pop, like, I don't know, Hallmark. Give me somebody, somebody sign me something. If anybody would want to hop on getting somebody a brand deal for identifying as a woman, it sounds like Hallmark would be all aboard. Hallmark would be the thing. I don't know if you heard this, but so you probably know that the guy who used to be the president of Hallmark created his own network, Great American Family, GAF. Started out as Great American Christmas, then became Great American Family. It's a channel that you pay for with your cable packages. Presently, I believe it's it's only through cable that you can get it. And um, this is why Candace Cameron Bure was getting a lot of hate because she left Hallmark for Great American Family. She's been working with Hallmark for, you know, probably over 10, probably even up to 20 years now. And so the guy who was that president of Hallmark probably brought her in at the time. Um, He took a bunch of Hallmark stars over to his channel. And uh, basically people put together, although it was never said, people put together that it was because Hallmark was starting to add some gay characters to their stories and their films. And so... Um, what happened just recently was that great American family overshot Hallmark as having the, I think it was like the most, uh, watched or the most, um, something about most watched or most views for Christmas films and for like made for TV movies of the genre. They actually superseded. Hallmark in this category this past like couple months or so. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Know your customers. Know your customers. Hallmark viewers crowned Candace Queen of Christmas years ago. We will buy, I include myself in this because she has convinced me to buy many things I would never want otherwise. We will buy anything that Candace tells us to. Yes. Yeah. They, they obviously have succeeded in knowing their demographic, which is mm-hmm. something that, um, you know, let's say maybe customers, maybe like uh, companies like Budweiser, maybe not quite understood. 
their demographic. Um, Tampax, I think, has maybe missed the mark on understanding their demographic, which in case... People with uteruses. People with working uteruses. Right. Functioning, um, naturally obtainable uteruses. Um, People who would need need to use the product may... You know, Tampax may have wanted to aim for a, making a brand deal with someone who can actively use the product so that they can convince us women to use the product. And what you're not going to do is convince me through a man who lives in an alternate reality. Um he will not be convincing enough to show me, tell me, convince me that Tampax is a great product to use. If anything, it has proven to me that Tampax obviously doesn't know who they're making their product for. Therefore, I will no longer use Tampax. Bye, Felicia. Yep. So now we have to figure out what tampons we're going to buy instead. And There are a lot of great options out there. I will say Tampax did do a really smart but evil thing. Um, They trademarked the braid, their signature braid, which all it is is they just – they braided the rope so that the blood takes longer to to go down the shaft of the So that's theirs? That's – they patented that? They patented a braid, yeah. I'm like, you cannot patent braids, but apparently they could. Isn't that like cultural appropriation? <laughs> it is. We should actually slam ta- Tampax for cultural appropriation. I don't know if we want to take it from the Norwegian, like those braids, or we want to take it from more of some like tribe in Africa that I'm sure we can find the exact tribe that originated the idea of braids, but we can get Tampax on cultural appropriation 100%. Yeah, and by that, and how we then, then Eureka, I can get restitution and they will pay me, and then I can buy the company and then, and then put it back in its rightful place, which is making products for women. I know that's right. <laughs> Noted. All right. Well, we'll move on from that. If you have been, um, of female gender and have just enjoyed this last minute, five minute blurb. Um, We uh, welcome you on the hunt to find uh, new products, new companies to support that would make products for our uterus lining, shedding and making us feel a certain way for uh, seven to 10 days for some, but that's a good point. If men are like kind of, like fired up um about you know like what they do with Budweiser is you put them in a hole dude losing five million dollars is is not easy and um for any company especially when your product has already been been hurting but um as for us women who want to boycott Procter and Gamble um Tampax in general because this is no hate to um the Lifa the Quad community right where where I am as a consumer is that I no longer trust you because if you are willing to give a brand deal to the gender 
who um, has no need for this product to represent us. Um, a male, uh, Dylan Mulvaney, who has no need, right, to use. I mean, he even has made videos with tampons being like, ah, I don't even know what to do with this. <laughs> so, like, why would I then want that person representing the product that I need to use when I'm suffering for a week every month? Um, it's so weird. And I hope that with within the next year that they create a product for these people who want to be gender affirmed. I hope when you transition using hormones that scientists start making the products that give you the full package of being a woman. And so you too, male, will experience uh, what it's like when your uterus is shedding its lining um, for an entire week, once a month. And I hope they do find ways to um, um, induce cramps. And I hope <laughs> there are things like you bloating and other PMS symptoms. If you're going to go for it, go all the way. Uh, becoming a woman is not a buffet package. It's not a all-inclusive like vacation. Like you don't just get to wear the pretty clothes and not get to have the experience. Um, doesn't work that way. And so um, I encourage you, those who want to be so affirming of gender, find a way the entire experience. That's the end of, of, of my rant in that. But obviously, Tampax, you have missed the mark in letting a man represent us, um, <laughs> a man with a terrible wig and bad makeup and um, decide what to do with our products that we need to use once a month. And for that, we are looking for new products. So if you have, even if you're like an independent company mm -hmm. and, or if you like have like a, a company that you oh. know that you swear by these new um these new Jamie broke my heart the other day. I was like, who makes all white always? And she's like, Tampax. No! Yep. They are the pad company that is paired with Tampax. Sorry to all involved. It's the <gasps> same, it's the same company. <laughs> heart broken. Ultimately, money talks, okay? So you can't be like rah rah rah, I hate you, and then you're put, putting money in your pockets. Um Money speaks louder than protests. And so when you uh, boycott financially, not just in word, but in deed, when you boycott, you need to let it be heard. And money speaks very loud. And so um, to to show how utterly ridiculous I think it is that they would allow a male represent us as females to uh, for a product that only females use. Um, I would say <laughs> it's utterly ridiculous. And so again, um, men, those of the male gender, um, we apologize if you had to, you know, you have to sit through this whole segment, uh, cause there's no beginning and end as far as this tantric goes. And so, um, if you had fast forwarded, this would be the, the part you can stop now because we will move on from this topic <laughs> and go to our next, did you hear? Jamie, mm -hmm. did you hear? Hmm. The Christian community is trying to cancel Tori Kelly. Pray tell. 
Well, they're upset because she has, in their opinion, shifted from being their beloved, you know, um, their beloved singer, their beloved artist, like, oh, the girl with the curly hair and the guitar, she's such a darling and all these things. And now they're just so offended that she would move on and create (gasps) secular music. She's been creating secular music. It's like all she's been making. Well, they're comparing her to the likes of Amy Grant now. I said this before and I'll say it again. (laughs) Amy started out with multiple just Christian worship albums before she made her leap to pop. Mm. She was known within the Christian community as a worship writer leader like releaser of music it it was specifically worship albums tori did nothing of the sort she started (laughs) on x factor she sang pop music when she wrote songs they were tinged with christian values and ideas biblical concepts but not directly biblical Mm. she's never released worship music per se she just happened to be christian which helped her get collabs with people like Lecrae, famous people within the Christian music space. She was never releasing worship albums. It was not like specifically a worship career. She's always been a pop star who happens to be Christian. And the Christians who watched X Factor leaped on to support her kind of in the same way that people who watched, um, was it, America's Got Talent when Michael Ketterer, um, yeah, his name. Keter, 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 Kettlebell, Keter, Keter, Michael Keter. Kettlebell. Um, <laughs> but when he, when Michael Kettlebell was on um, <laughs> America's Got Talent, Christians quickly hopped on to support him because he oh, was yeah. Christian and he was singing non-Christian songs on the show. Um, he actually did release worship music with United Pursuit prior to being on the show. It's a little different, but Christians just kind of hop on and they support their crew, which is exactly what happened with Tori. But she's never been a worship artist. She's always been a pop star who happens to be Christian. Yeah, big difference. Um, also, and I, I understand like with when he was on America's Got Talent, as a believer, believers wanted to support him. And there was no shame. It wasn't like he was like living a lie because he wanted to do America's Got Talent. He was just like, I'm going to glorify the Lord with my talent, which is singing. And I'm going to take the main stage. And there was never a moment. I mean, I wasn't like uh, religiously following his his efforts, but I don't think there was ever a moment where he wasn't glorifying the Lord. Now, of course, not every song he was singing was like, um, I can only imagine. Like he wasn't like going in that stream. He was singing secular songs. <coughs> but like I think that um I think there was a huge difference in those two windows. I don't think she was undercover. I don't think she was not being herself. No, she has always been very upfront about who she is and what she believes and yeah. But also about what she is as an artist. I don't think she's taken a turn from anything. Like if anything, 
the direction she's going in is more of a trend direction than a like veering from like values. I what I noticed on some of the comments was like people are like, "What happened to our curly haired?" I saw that leader. It's like <laughs> cur, cur, you're. This is about hair. What you're seeing with Tori right now is not not about her losing her roots. It's just, it's a hair trend. She has not departed from values. She hasn't messed with her body at all. She just went from the trend was embrace your natural hair texture to fight your hair texture and create like a look. Yeah, that was big. Um, I don't miss those days uh, (laughs) of unhealthy. Yeah. It just the unhealthy things we used to do to our hair too. I just, What makes you a Christian artist is who you belong to, knowing who you are in Christ, having that identity, having that faith, receiving Jesus as your personal savior. And then when you produce art, you are producing art. You're just a Christian who produces art. And so although the the general public, those who it matters to, although the general public would love to try to cancel her and like Amy Grant her, Nothing has really changed about Tori Kelly because she's just a Christian who's producing music. Um, That doesn't mean she walked away from the um, category of Christian artist. And so uh, we, we would like to put her back on that shelf where people have maybe tried to take her off, go do your thing and like produce your music. Um, I don't think it's it's an attack on her identity if she just wants plenty of people have gone that route. Right. Um, some people have gone that route and maybe have never come back. But plenty, plenty of people have gone that route and sometimes they want to dabble. I think what matters is the intention and the motive and um, being rooted in something. Um, and I, I think we're, we're, we'll put a pin on that and touch this later. Being rooted in who you are in Christ when you pursue um, your goals in the music industry, because there is a a very slight there's a very slight contingency that it hangs on on just how rooted you can stay when you pursue your goals and your dreams in the music industry and how it sets you apart. And not only in the music industry, but in it's so weird to be like the church, the worship industry. But you guys have made it a worship industry. Worship has become an industry, whether you like it or not. Those people who want to be like, no, it's pure. Worship only belongs to the Lord. Yes, that's true. But you guys have also made worship a business. And um, what and and you produce worship teams who have been at Grammys and this, that, and the other thing. And those are the byproduct of them knowing as a consumer what you want. And so they made these cookie cutter worship leaders for you to enjoy. And those leaders have led you, have made you a consumer of the worship industry. Um, So that's like just the things that we'll share and obviously put a pin on it for later. But the thing I, I would say about Tori Kelly is like, leave her alone. Like just, this is why you have the Katy Perry's of the world, the the Jonas brothers. This is why you have artists like them leave and they go like, if I'm going to be judged because I want to pursue something I'm passionate about, then I just, I'll go where I'm accepted. Mm. And if you're so quick to discredit somebody like Tori Kelly, because she wants to go be a pop star, let her be a pop star. Just let her try it, you know? But anyway, so. Yeah. And I think on a micro level, 
not accepting people for who they are is also the bulk of the reason why we have so many church prodigals and they end up in cities like New York where they are accepted. And, you know, sometimes they're supposed to be there and sometimes they aren't, but regardless that city takes people in from the church, like refugees and the bulk of them are from the South. And I'm just going to leave that there. Do you have a, do you have something for me? Do you have a, did you hear? <laughs> um, do I have a, did you hear? Oh, I don't know if you heard this, Ooh, tell me. but according to my sources, 13 days ago, Lou Engel had been on the 40th day of the Jesus fast. Oh, wow. Since he posted the 40th day of his fast, I have not heard about him fasting. Now, this does not guarantee that he's not fasting because I did see that Mike Bickle is doing a fast for Israel, the Isaiah 42, I think, fast. And Lou Engel does follow them on Instagram. It is entirely possible that Lou is joining them on this fast, but from my sources, it is actually very possible, but for the first time in a long time, for a rare moment, Lou Engel might be eating. No way. He's eating solid food? He might be having a meal today. Maybe one. Maybe more. Who knows? Three three square meals. It's entirely possible. Has there ever been a time in our lifetime where Lou Angle was not fasting? I've never seen it before. This is actually the first time I've I've seen him not fasting. Maybe. I want to say in the two thousands. I don't think he's eaten since two thousand. I don't think he's he's eaten since Y two K. He probably did a fast for Y two K, and then <laughs> saw how effective it was at keeping the computers from ending the world. That he just kept going. That's it. That's it. Oh, it's a good day. It's a good day of Lou Angle's eating. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. I'm wow. Glad that he's getting his his sustenance. I don't know how he was staying alive. <laughs> well, on to the next. Well, since we had put a pin in the conversation about Tori Kelly and how, you know, the general public was trying to be upset that she would dare pursue her talents in the music industry. It led me to think about um, a video I had seen earlier this week. I think of Chandler Moore, who was all like, it was so funny. He was like recording this video with his wife doing this like sideways view like video. And um, like he was like P. Diddy. I was getting like Puff Daddy vibes. And he was just talking about how, um, yeah, it was just like, it's time to just stop being so spiritual and religious with like our music. And um, he's like, I'm going to produce stuff that, you know, people really want to hear about. Like Christians really want to hear about like relationships and love and, 
you know, uh, emotions. And I was just like, who the crap wants to sing about their soul? Like, what do you? First of all, talking about. First of all, Chandler Moore has been singing from his soul this entire time. This whole time. And if you didn't notice that, you, I'm so sorry to break it to you. Like, I like, I hate to break this to you, but if you did not notice this, your discernment is just not there. You just don't have it. And this may be a time for you to press in and ask the Lord for some discernment. Because if you thought that Chandler Moore was worshiping or was in the spirit and not in his soul at any point, and you did not have your eyes opened, this is the time when you need to really ask the Lord for discernment because it is possible in these last days for even the elect to be deceived. And you don't want to be that person. (laughs) He's like doing a whole altar call here. I was literally and about to start you. leading a repentance prayer, and then I remembered this is a podcast. <laughs> I was like, everybody repeat after me. Father God. <laughs> I repent <laughs> for worshiping in my soul. Oh, man. <laughs> that was such a now, tangent. You just like went. <laughs> I will say. This is something I will understand. If you have only seen Chandler Moore perform with other people who do worship in spirit, I could see you getting bamboozled. Like if you've only seen him with Amanda Mm. Cook, if you've only seen him with Phil Wickham, and then you're like, this is anointed. Yes, it is. Do you know why? Because Phil Wickham has a real anointing based on intimacy with Christ. Because Amanda Cook has a real anointing based on intimacy with Christ. Because these people worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. If you have seen Chandler alone and you got bamboozled, that's when you need to repent and ask the Lord for discernment because there's no there's no reason that you should be hearing Chandler and thinking this is this is worship. This if is ministering not- to my spirit. Mhm. If he's not with Phil, if he's not with Amanda, if he's not with somebody like that. Imagine how tired. But imagine how tired we are. Imagine how tired we are of it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just, it's hard because as much, I know there's people who are going to be like dabbling in and out of this uh, podcast who are going to be like, you're, you're going to hear what we're not saying. And I bless you anyway. He who has ears, let him listen. But um, I what we're not doing is like dishonoring the guy We're what we're trying to do is lead you to um, what it looks like to have an encounter with the Lord through your spirit, ministering to him spirit to spirit. As, as Jamie said, like Jesus was saying in John four, like you true worshipers are going to worship me in spirit and truth. And if you're worshiping him in spirit and truth, what you're not going to do is worship him through your flesh and your feelings that will never is first John tells you that your flesh can never satisfy God. Your flesh will never satisfy him. And um, I easily could talk about something like this for 24 hours straight. Both Jamie and I as worship leaders, like we could, we could do this all day. We're not going to, but we can do this all day. But I will say there are a lot of um, leaders out there a lot of leaders a lot of worshipers even like this dude i saw on tiktok he's got like this huge like um 
I don't want to say huge. He's got a good following. A lot of people repost his videos. A lot of my friends repost my his videos. And he talks about how, like, um, I want to say, okay, I won't, I won't call him out by name, but he talked about in his videos that he's, like, been around people who are singing songs like Reckless Love and singing songs like um, You Are Good, uh, King of My Heart from Baffle. And then the bridge is like, you're never going to let, never going to let me down. Um, he's like, that's not the truth. And you guys are like lying when you sing to the Lord, because like, you've had moments where you've been mad at the Lord and, but you're singing, you're never going to let me down and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, stop lying. Like da da da, because I've been there where I've been upset at the Lord. And I've been like, Lord, I'm mad right now. Why aren't you doing this? Da da da. So he's like, you need to get honest with the Lord when you worship him. Something which is of really good intention. I understand what you're trying to say, but you're leading people through deception into the pit where misery loves company because what you want to do, especially when you're in those moments where you may not understand or feel or connect to truth. That's when you, David had to say, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. He had to to speak and command his soul from his spirit, lead his soul um, into a worship encounter with the Lord. Who cares if this is not how you feel right now? Um, like that's actually why we worship <laughs> so that we can see him rightly and we can set our gaze on him when we are having that bad day. So that even though, um, even though I feel abandoned, even though I lost my job, even though I don't have any means of paying my rent, I'm going to sing. you're never going to let me down so that I can encounter truth and know that you're going to never, you're never going to let me down. That doesn't make you a liar. It doesn't make, it doesn't mean it's uh, toxic positivity. It doesn't mean that you're um, living in another realm or you're irresponsible. You're trying to connect to truth and truth is always going to be God is good. Worship is always going to be God is good. Worship is not about your feelings. Okay. Yeah, we need to we need to talk about this. And you've done such a brilliant job of laying that out. But there is something that is really misunderstood when it comes to honesty versus truth. And oh, yeah. Something that we need to to remember, because worship leaders from the dawn of time, I'm certain, but recently Maverick City has been one of them saying that David's honesty with the Lord is the blueprint for how they should be worshiping or releasing music. But in, in that, Paul in the New Testament calls David a prophet. Mm. And when he was writing the Psalms, he was in the spirit. And if he was a prophet in the Old Testament, what happened when you were a prophet is the spirit of the Lord came upon you. So we also have to remember Jesus is the word. He is the word. So every bit of the Psalms is Jesus, um, just in the same way that any other scripture is Jesus. So there's a difference between the spirit of the Lord comes upon you and you're writing 
the logos. You're writing the written word of God that is Jesus versus you're in your soul. And majority of the time, and I'm sure you could actually do this with every psalm, but every psalm is prophetic in nature and majority of them are prophetic in nature about Jesus. And you could look at something like, say, Psalm 22 and say, like, this is a soulish, depressed cry out to God. And yet the first line of Psalm 22 is what Jesus quoted on the cross. And something you also have to remember about Jewish culture at the time is if you say the first line of a psalm, it's sort of like me starting a song that is a standard within our culture. If I started to sing, you are my fire, quickly somebody would say, the one desire, believe when I say I want it that way. So to to you, you hear this and instantly you're going to sing the whole song. Your, your whole brain is going to pop off on the whole song. You're going to leave that situation still singing and snapping. It's the same thing in Jewish culture of Jesus' day. If you quoted... um. If you quoted a psalm and you quoted the first line, it's the same thing as saying the whole psalm because they would know that. They would have to know that. And they had to memorize Torah because they didn't have a personalized copy. Can we just be grateful for the printed word of God? Yes. So when scholars actually, if if you're smart and if you're you're actually going to look at the cross and say, Oh, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's saying the whole of Psalm 22, which ends in, and let's pull, let's pull this up. Because the whole Psalm, if you read it, says by the end that that he doesn't, I'm pretty sure this is this is the case. But it ends in truth. It always as, ends in truth. As all Psalms do, they start out in their feelings and they climb the mountain of praise into truth. Which, as you're looking for the verse, because I know where you're headed and it's my, in my entire, one of my favorite verses. But um, as you pull that verse up, it's really important to know that people who like to affiliate affiliate their worship style with King David and like, oh, you just got to tell the Lord how you feel because that's what King David did. King David is King David that. Like, yes, King David was very raw with his emotion. King David was very um, real, connected to the Lord. And people found verses to connect to when it came, when it comes to them feeling heavy, um, depressed, weary, tired. People connect to David in that sense. But I'm saying if you're going to connect to David, there connect with him all the way through right through the valley climb that mountain of praise and get to the truth and so yes this is how i feel oh god why have you forsaken me but then he in 22 he gets to that part which you can go ahead and read yeah so um 
you can really start this at, at verse 22 of Psalm 22, but really it hits in Psalm 24, for he has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them, but has listened to their cries for help. So it starts in a physical circumstance, the way things look around, and it ends in truth. And that is the same model that we use in worship. If you know any worship leader who is great at getting people into the presence and the fullness of the presence of God, it starts in circumstantial. We look around us and it leads them in a direction. So you're not just pointing it out, but you're actually taking steps to remove yourself from that and go towards truth and heavenly truth. So if you're going to sit and stew in how you feel, and even if it's honestly how you feel, you may be authentic in expressing what feels real to you, but it's still not truth. And again, we worship in spirit and people often forget the spirit and truth. Getting into the spirit cannot be done without truth. You cannot separate them. Which is the, what you're saying about the logos and the word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, again, it's different if you're, if you're David and you're making the established word of God versus someone who's worshiping under the new covenant, the word of God has been completed. We have the fullness of scripture. You're not being a David when you're doing that. No. That's good. You're not being a David. You're not you're not being a David in this situation. Um, and keep in mind David was under a very restrictive covenant and he needed to prophesy to get to truth because the fullness of what God wanted for his people had not been revealed yet. Mm. So the way that he felt was especially true of his time because the enemy in that time he lived in had not been defeated. Yeah. The enemy was not under the authority of man. He still had the keys of death in the grave. Mm -hmm. So where David is worshiping from to get to heavenly truth is a very different than where you are as a worship leader now under the covenant of Christ. So I don't want to hear you starting, even starting where David felt. You should never feel this way because that's never true. Right. It could be somewhat true for him because in his timeline, that was what was surrounding him. But Jesus is a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, which is why he was able to prophesy into the fullness of truth. But you are in a far better place than David was. Mm-hmm. And probably physically in a better place than he was too, because I don't know anybody who's trying to murder you on a daily basis. Yeah, are you? Are you? When when David's really in in the dumps about things, it's because someone's literally trying to kill him. Yeah, yeah. I don't so, remember the last time somebody wrote a worship song from a cave. I, the absolute arrogance of people to be like, I want to be like David and write like this. You have no reason to be down as bad as he was. Yeah, I just like encourage, especially worship leaders, because I know the things and you will hear me say this time and time again until he returns. Like there are so many things that are so romantic and poetic in nature when you talk about your relationship with Christ. But um, truth is a reality. Truth is a person. It's Jesus, right? 
And so I know so many worship leaders who are out there and I understand, I know the trap. The trap is the people are responding to my soulish worship. Therefore, my soulish worship must be great. You can gratify the desires of your flesh, which is your soul. Your, you, what you do in the flesh will never please the Lord. That doesn't mean that what you do in the flesh will not garnish a response from the congregation. It doesn't say that in the word, but it says what you do in the flesh doesn't please the Lord. And that's why people um, can get bamboozled. And it's almost like a drug where you're like, ooh, ooh, they like when I sing that note. Ooh, they like when I do this song. And you think that their response is your reward and you get confused. I feel the Lord. But um, where you lose sight of it with David, everyone who wants to compare themselves to David, dance, dance, dance like David, dance. Like they always want to get into this place. We are living in a better covenant than David. Okay. So as a new creation, Okay, in Christ, having been born again with this divine nature, we are living in a better covenant. The covenant that David dreamt of. He may have even, as you're saying, he's a prophet. The 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 covenant that David dreamt of, he may have been so close because everybody's like, oh, he was like God's best friend, and da-da-da. Still was living in a lesser covenant than we have now because of Christ. Okay. It was not the fulfillment. Better covenant than Moses, better covenant than Abraham, okay? We're living in a better covenant. So we need to worship from that perspective that we are in a better covenant. And so just the stuff of David, uh, I'll like end with this. Like, listen, <laughs> it's a popular belief. It doesn't matter. I don't care how many Grammys like somebody wins when they tell you that like, hey, the people want, they want to hear you singing about your feelings and your relationships and they want you to be real with how you feel and stuff like that. His word is real. Okay. God is enthroned on nothing else except for the praises of his people was actually in Psalm 22. Also, he's enthroned on the praises of his people, which is what Jamie was talking about with the mountain of praise. You have to climb that mountain. Okay. Be real with the Lord. But I will always say that the, I, the, the, the definition of worship is not just to see him. Okay. It's not just to see him. It's to see him rightly. And when you worship, you are actually dethroning yourself. You're dethroning your own feelings. You're dethroning your own desires. Your need to be, um, to be encouraged, your need to be applauded. You're dethroning all of that and you're seating him on the throne who belongs, who belongs in his rightful place. You're enthroning him on the praises of his people. And so that's all dog water. I'm sorry. These people, it doesn't matter when you, sorry, like, again, I'm not here to dishonor anybody, but Chandler Moore will not be able to take his Grammys to heaven. Who gives a rip? When he if he wins a Grammy for whatever he ends up, I think his whole other album was called Feelings. Wasn't it Feelings? Oh my God, not Feelings. I might need a fact track on that. But his his um other album was all about what he felt in the soul. Okay, we are to be <laughs> we are let we are we are made we were made okay to connect to have fellowship with the Lord from spirit to spirit. Um. Through our soul, through our soul, we can encounter the Lord. We can experience the Lord. We have been given 
Um, my spiritual mom likes to say we like the Lord gave us emotions so that we can experience him and we can experience him through joy and happiness and sadness and we can experience the Lord. And that's amazing. Um, that is not the engine of our worship. And if he wants to take all of that, him and his friends and all those other people, if they want to take that and go make secular music or pop music or whatever, all that stuff, by all means, know which know which funnel you want to worship through. And that's that's fine. But for like young worship leaders and even old worship leaders who are worshiping through old wineskin, I'm telling you right now, the only type of worship the Lord's going to breathe upon, no matter what environment you're in, is spirit and truth. It's always going to be spirit and truth. It's going to never not be spirit and truth. And that's where we connect to the Lord through. And I'm telling you, it does not matter. I see people fall for this trap time and time again, where they think that the gratifications of man, the applause of man, the acceptance of man equates anointing. Mm -hmm. And acceptance is not anointing. And if that's not a word for 2023 right now with everything that's happening, acceptance is not anointing. And um, no one's telling you, we're not here to tell you who and who not to listen to. We just want to encourage you into what it looks like to have a tangible encounter with the Lord. And the only way you're going to do that is from your spirit, um, from your spirit, connecting him, connecting to him through your soul, but only led by the spirit. Because the spirit will always lead you to truth. When Jesus had released the Holy Spirit on his disciples, and I believe John 15, he said the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth that will lead you to all truth. And that's how you do not get deceived. There's great music out great music that's out there that can emotionally stir you. You know, you start playing the the A minor to the F to the C to the G, and you're like, oh, uh, I really feel this song. And that's amazing. Um but that place is to take you to encounter with the Lord, not because you're singing about, you know, my boyfriend broke up with me. I can't pay my rent, like all these things. And you're, then in your mind, you're like, yeah, 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 that's right. I can't pay my rent. That's not worship. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you would, you want to worship him and you, you could say to the Lord, like, yeah, Lord, you are God. I think, um, in the complete Jewish, like David lists all these things, right? And then in verse four, he goes, nevertheless. So when I read nevertheless in that verse, um, what that says to me is everything before everything I just said is dog water. Cause he's like, you know what? Throw that all out the window, pack that all up. Right. Nevertheless, you are holy and you are enthroned upon the praises of your people. And um, that's what leads you into an encounter with the Lord. And then you will see him and then you will see him rightly. And when you see him rightly, you can connect with him rightly. And he's God is not a piggy bank. He's not a he's not um, like a, a just a deposit. He's not an ATM. But you do know that you have a God in heaven who's who's overabundant, who blesses you, who provides for you. He is the prosperity. And so anyway, I, I can I can end the tangent there. But. Um, it, it's such a, a tricky place to be because I had been there when I was a young worship leader and I see a lot of young worship leaders doing it now. Um, and you're always going to be applauded by people who have a lesser view of the covenant themselves, right? Like that's what the cheers come from. That's why the Chandlers of the world like feel like what they're doing is holy and they're making a difference in our worship and this, that, and the other thing because they're getting applauses from people who are not mature in the spirit. 
Um, not that we have arrived. Okay. This, that's our disclaimer. We, we have not arrived. We're not at some well-ascended place. We're still students. Okay. We're still students of the gospel, students of the word. Um, but I'll tell you what I know. <laughs> and I know that nevertheless, he is holy and he's enthroned upon the praises of his people. And um, that other dude who was talking about like just connecting to him through your feelings, you're, it's never going to lead you to a good encounter. Actually, it's an invitation to the enemy of your soul. It's an invitation for him to come in and deceive you. And so be free. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually to note as a little bookend to that, that, that is the the one place the enemy tries to get you. It's what he has access to. It's where lies come in. Like your your spirit doesn't believe lies. Your soul believes lies. And your body will respond to what you believe. So if you want a place to encounter, a place where you will encounter both God and the enemy, that's your soul. And your soul is a good thing and it was made to be with God. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Don't get into soul hatred. I've made that mistake before. Um, (laughs) and I definitely caution people against it, but when you are in your soul, that is a riskier place to be. And when you are in your spirit, your spirit is incorruptible. And I'd love to hear you talk about that on our, um, on our next topic. But if your spirit is with Jesus and is totally holy and new that is the safest place to be and your spirit will release truth to your soul and your soul will believe truth and you will be in peace and you will be in the presence of god yeah and your body respond like i just love that you made that point before how your body responds to it Mm -hmm. your body absolutely responds to your beliefs and we've seen that in um, anybody who's been in any kind of healing ministry or um, any kind of scientific study that has a placebo effect, what you believe your body responds to it. True. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And like you said, we, we were talking about the invitation, like where you invite the enemy of your soul into, right. And sometimes it's the fact that you don't believe truth. And when you don't believe truth, you are giving him a, like you're sending him a postcard and saying like, Hey, wish you were here. Why don't you come and and damage my soul a bit? And um, in the sense of being, being in that place where you have allowed your soul to override your body, maybe even stand in the way of your spirit where you feel like you can't connect to the Lord spirit, the spirit and um, where you feel like you've may invited um, the enemy, Satan, whatever you want to call him, he's a punk, but where you feel like you may have invited him in i think now because we're in such a deliverance culture everybody's like demon 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 deliverance deliverance get a session throw up gag da 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 and it it it's all of that is a, a pin on that for another day another uh, another episode but i will say this sometimes it's not deliverance you need you just need truth mm-hmm. because truth sets you right and so where you have led um, yourself astray, maybe having unbelief or not enough faith. You don't need a sozo session. You don't need to call for deliverance. You just need truth. And truth is found 
Jamie was talking about in the logos, the logos and the rhema, but Mm -hmm. it's found in him who is, who has given you the opportunity to connect with him rightly spirit and truth. But, um, close the door, close the door. And you only do that through, through truth. And so, um, (laughs) I'm surprised we were even able to, uh, land a plane on that because I'm telling you right now, we, I'm telling you right now, we definitely could have went. I could have gone harder. I could have gone harder. I could have gone. I'm even like right now I I could just go, but I'm not going to because we have another segment. Run from the sun over here. <laughs> oh man, I know the sun looks glorious on your skin. I know it's blinding you, but it looks good. It looks good. Thank you. All right. Uh, time for our next segment. We uh, last on episode one. Previously on Happy and Holy, um, we in episode one, we did Word of the Day, which is a fun little segment where we do a little deep dive led by Jamie, who is a um, who is a word junkie, a word warrior, a word archaeologist. <laughs> That's such a good way to describe it. <laughs> Would you rather just be called a nerd? Um, no, I, I, I like where you're going with this. Please rebrand nerd. <laughs> She's so in it. And so please go back to our first episode, the the prologue, where we did word of the day and we did a word study on the word. Um, we did a word study on the word anthropos. Mm-hmm. And um, I won't give it all away because you need to go and check it out. If you don't and know so the difference as- between anthropos and anthropoi. Ooh. Check out our last episode. Check out our last episode. Um, oh, that's so awesome. I yeah, it's a lot of fun. So um, as we promised, we are only here to have fun. You're just like continuously like running from this time. I'm just I'm just like <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna see actually if my shade can like deal with some of this drama. Here we are. It's been done. It's been done. Yo, so um, had a lot of fun with Word of the Day. And as we promised, um, we were going to mix it up so that, you know, you don't kind of just ride in on autopilot listening into us because you need to be you need to be on guard. You don't know what we're ever going to release on you. And so um, one of the segments today, it's going to be one of my favorite segments. Maybe every segment is my favorite segment, but it's going to be my one, one of my favorite segments. And it's called Good Theology, Bad Theology. And um, the inspiration of this segment has come from Hello 90s Babies Unite. Um, there was a great, great uh, comedic variety cartoon called Animaniacs. And they used to have this great segment called Good Idea, Bad Idea. And um, the dude used to highlight a good idea. It was a little light bulb. And he was like, hey, this is something that was like really safe, something smart, something really good to do. And then 
that idea was the same situation, but also doing it in a very foolish way, very unsafe way, harmful, um, not smart. And so if I could think of (laughs) instances where there are very safe ways to pursue our relationship or to study the word, and there are very harmful ways to pursue our relationship with the Lord and study the word. And so therefore we, we coined the segment, good theology, bad theology. And today's segment is going to be led by Jamie um, for good theology, bad theology. And so Jamie, good theology is? Well, good theology. I pulled up a verse because let's talk about how God has to be faithful to his word. Psalm 138 tells us that he placed above all things his name and his word, which means that God chooses to be subject to what he says. He chooses that his own word would judge him if he does not bring it to pass. So we have to decide if we're going to believe him. Are we going to believe the God who who does exactly what he says he's going to do, that everything that he tells us is truth? Or are we going to believe how we feel? Are we going to believe the word of the Lord, which endures forever? Or are we going to believe the flesh that like flowers fade away? I wonder which one we will pick. (laughs) All right. So one of my favorite books in the Bible, one of my favorite prophets, my man, Ezekiel. This is from (laughs) the upside because why not? This is chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my ordinances and do them. It goes on to say, I will save you from all your uncleanness and I will call for the grain and make it abundant and I will not bring famine on you. This is verse 29. So there is, um, there's prophetic to the people of Israel about their return to Jerusalem, to the, the land that the Lord has promised them. But there is a lot Ezekiel is speaking to about the covenant that comes to pass with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. So we can also see this, uh, and I'm sure I'm going to let you do the Romans, pop off on Romans, but we do need to talk about how the Lord has determined in his word that in the covenant that any healthy scholar, any real Christian believes that this came to pass with Jesus Christ. Can we all agree on that? Amen. That he would give us a new heart and put a new spirit within us, which is what he has done. And he will remove the heart of stone from our flesh and give us a heart of flesh. Put his spirit within us and cause us to walk in his statutes and keep his ordinances and do them. That is a promise that God made, and it is a promise that God kept, 
in giving us the Holy Spirit as believers. That's good news. I love this news. My favorite news story of all time. That's good news. Um, yeah. The, um, this new heart that we have in Christ. Uh, that's, that's good. <laughs> I'm grateful for my new heart. Huh. I'm grateful in Christ. Okay. You have every um, right, every legal right to claim Ezekiel 36 verses 26 through 29 in Christ. So you have that new heart. Good theology is. Um, I'll go off of the quote that you that we'll go off of the quote so that we, cause we'll use the language that is familiar to people so that the next time they hear it, they go. Ching! Okay. So that little, that um, Ezekiel 36 that you are sharing is just in case anyone tells you that your heart is wicked and deceitful post Christianity. Okay. Your heart was wicked and deceitful BC before Christ. All right. That was BC. So Jamie had to read you truth so that you don't believe lies. That's bad theology. Bad. Basura. Your heart is not basura. Okay. One of my biggest pet peeves is when people go, I don't let my child watch Disney movies because in the Disney movie, they always tell you to follow your heart and you shouldn't follow your heart because your heart is wicked and deceitful. You can follow your heart now that it has been renewed. In Jesus, the new heart that he gave you, took away the stony one and gave you a new heart, flesh, boop, yours. Don't listen to Basura. Basura is telling you that your heart is wicked and deceitful or letting your pastor tell you that your heart is wicked and deceitful or that man is wicked and deceitful. Those who are in Christ. Okay. Big difference. Mm -hmm. Big difference. If you know Jesus, of course. Those who don't know Jesus, this is where the wickedness comes from. This is where the stony heart is. This is why the world is walling right now, because there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. All right. So good theology, bad theology. And I'm going to need the backstory when I say the line. I'm going to need the backstory. Oh, you're getting your glasses ready? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if we're going to talk about this. We're going to. Um, good theology. <clears throat> we are dead to sin. Bad theology. But every bad theology will start with a but, okay? But we have a divine nature and a sinful nature dwelling in us now. This is what someone was saying. Together, just chilling. <laughs> Buddies. Buddies, just twins, just living in your... 
two spirits. No. Which, by the way, is a um, one of the identifications of the Lagabatiqua community. Two spirit. Two spirit. Do you? That's how you know spirit? it's bad theology. That's that's. A- if your theology lines up with the Lagabatiqua community, you might be off to a bad start. Okay. You do not want to line up. Your theology does not want to line up with theirs. How would you like? How would you like to be compared to them? You don't. You don't want to be. No. Get that stinking thinking out of your mind. I'm just going to read a verse to you, okay? Please. Read me truth. Romans 6, 10. (laughs) For his death was a unique event that need not to be repeated. But his life, he keeps living on for God. In the same way, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive for God. By your union with the Messiah, Yeshua. Is that complete Jewish? That's the complete Jewish. That's the complete Jewish. I want to pull up my New Jerusalem on on this real quick, just because I'm craving it all of a sudden. And to be honest, I'm unsure if, if it's ever going to get back to the person who owns it. But it would not be the first Bible I've stolen from a man I was seeing. I also will read you um, maybe a little bit of verse five. Oof, For if we have been united with him in a death like his. We will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse six. We know that our old self was put to death on the execution stake with him so that the entire. Listen to this. The entire. Entire body. Of sinful propensities might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. Go ahead and read that in your new Jerusalem, because I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm popping off um, on eight through 11 of chapter six of Romans. Oh yes. But we believe that. If we died with Christ, then we shall live with him too. We know that Christ has been raised from the dead and will never die again. Death has no power over him anymore. For by dying, he is dead to sin once and for all. And now the life that he lives is life with God. In the same way, you must see yourselves. You must see yourselves. As being dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. There's an implication here that in order to live this way and to receive this truth, that you have to take on the responsibility of seeing yourself as being dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. I could go on and just read this whole chapter. Literally, don't even get me started because the way I just want to read the whole book. 
Don't even get me. My entire Romans 6, 7, and 8 is just marked up. I mean, you can't see everything. Stuff is falling out of my Bible. It's just marked up, okay? I got lines. I got notes. Don't even get me started. If I had not stolen this Bible, it would also be marked up. But every man I've dated within the past five to seven years has lost a Bible. So here we go. (laughs) PSA, if you date Jamie, she'll steal your Bible. It's true. And actually there's a, there's a guy whose Bible I really like um, that I recently met. And so we'll, we'll see if that works. <laughs> we'll see how long he keeps it. So in line with uh, the truth we were reading in Romans six, six through 11, I'm going to finish it off with this verse. I have to read it from my phone because it's, it's marked up in my other Bible. Um, again, the complete Jewish. Okay. Um, Actually, now I have to go back up. Okay. Hallelujah. For those who identify with their old nature, set their minds on the things of the old nature. But those who identify with the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. And so um, even if I wanted to write, read it in the... Let's do the ESV because you know the South. The South, they love the ESV. Oh, they love it. Oh, they love it. Um, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on things of the spirit. Um, okay. The, so we we bring this up because before Jamie pops off, we we needed to bring this language to you because I'm sure somewhere, somewhere you have heard this doo-doo gospel. You have heard this hand-me-down nonsense where you have been told that you have um, a divine nature and a sin nature dwelling in you now. We're here to tell you far from the truth it's not even bible it's not bible mm-hmm. and so um good theology is we're dead to sin we're alive to god not only that but because because um that life now that we which live now the life that we live now we live as if we have been co-crucified co-buried and co-raised with christ which means that the life we live in now is our divine nature because the sin nature has been dealt with. It has been killed. We can go into a whole tangent now on many different directions, but I want to hand this off to Jamie because she will share a story with you as to why you need to read the word for yourself and not just um, not just receive everything that's released from a pulpit. So first of all, before we get into the specifics and uh, reference, because this material is available online publicly presently, um, you can watch this now. And I encourage you that if you do want to watch this, watch it while you are, um, while you're well rested don't just receive because it's not truth. Um, if you go to watch any ministry, at all, especially one that you're more unfamiliar with, I highly encourage you to go into it 
with your guard up so that you can dissect through the information you're given and divvy it up into things that align with what you presently believe, things that are new to you, and things that maybe red flag you. And the best way to do that is when you're well-rested and um, when you're physically feeling and emotionally feeling ready to take in new things and not just lie back and receive until at least you get safe and comfortable with um, a person and their theology. I also want to preface this by saying that the person who said this, I highly honor him. He is an accurate prophet for the majority of the time. He operates with a lot of honor and responsibility in the office of the prophet. And I really love this man. Like I really love him. And I think, um, and I don't know how many people, um, demographic wise where you will be, but I have noticed there are certain geographical locations that this is going to be a new concept to you. And I do need you to try to track with me, even if it's something that you don't understand, but it is possible to love a person and be fully for them and disagree with them. And I have experienced Um, Many people who are lacking in maturity, who when they notice something that they disagree with or are uncomfortable with in a person, be it someone they listen to and they don't know them, or it's someone in their own lives who they personally know, when they get uncomfortable or they disagree, often these immature people will throw the whole person out entirely rather than receiving the meat and throwing out the bones. That's good. And so if you want to be a mature person, if you want to be in the the fullness of who Christ has called you to be, if you want to get to that place, there is no way to get to this place without developing this quality. If this is something that you don't know how to do yet, please humbly seek the Lord about how to love and be for people when you have things that you disagree with them about. There's a difference between someone who's actually dangerous to be in relationship with or dangerous to listen to and someone who maybe doesn't get it right all the time or doesn't reflect your heart all the time. But still, there's a a lot that the Lord is using, whether it's a person's ministry or a relationship in your life. So with that being said, um, the place that this was spoken at, and you can find this on their YouTube, is Morningstar Church. It is my favorite church in the Charlotte region. So again, not a knock to them. They are a very safe place and a very safe place to develop the prophetic gifting and seek out how to grow in the spirit. And the person who said this, again, I highly honor and respect this man as a prophet, Chris Reed, who recently took over the ministry from Rick Joyner, who is stepping down as the president of Morningstar Ministries, and Chris has effectively replaced him, I believe, within the past month or so. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I really do honor these people. Just what was said at this particular service was wrong. And uh, this, if you are looking for the service I'm referencing, it was the service on Good Friday. So Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Morningstar Church in Fort Mill, South Carolina. And what was said by Chris Reed, and I'm actually, I need to maybe pull up my text thread because I texted Wendy the entire time. She was my notes 
I do not <laughs> notes in the note app. I put the notes in your text thread. Yes. So. Let me let me back up. While Jamie is looking for the text thread in which she's like, this is what he's saying verbatim. I just want to give you context as to why this is important. Um, because it's important to know truth. It is truth that sets you free. It is truth that will deliver you. Okay. That's why it's important. Truth will set you free. And truth is found in the word. Um, that whole line, we're not like, um, we're not like um, paraphrasing what we believe he said. Da, da, da. That's why she's telling you. It's not so you can point the finger at him and be like, oh, you're no, it's so that we're just telling you the service and where he said it and when he said it so that you can go and look for yourselves because. Um, immaturity will lead you to believe that this is gossip. Ooh, gossip. <gasps> ah, gossip, right? The definition of gossip for people who are ill-informed is, um, I'm going to read it to you from the Webster's, okay? is casual or unconstrained conversations or reports about other people typically involving details that are not conformed as being true. Okay. That's not what this is. This is not, we're not the news. We're not here to just give you um, a report of what happens in Morningstar for the sake of just um, entertaining ourselves or entertaining you. And we're not giving you a false report because this is from somebody who has been there. Um, this is not gossip. And people are just like, oh, it's gossiping when you talk about someone. I talk about somebody else who's not in a room. That is not true. Because if that's the case, 100% of the time, there has not been one person on this earth who has not gossiped ever. Okay. If my roommate is in the kitchen and she says my name to somebody else and says like, oh, when he's in her room recording a podcast, that does not make my roommate a gossiper because she's talking about me when I'm not in the room. That is not gossip. And so... I just think that we have to just form our mind into what truth is and know the difference because I have discovered in the South, people don't be really knowing what gossip is and they'll just like, oh, well, I don't want to gossip. I don't want to engage in gossip. I'm not sitting here asking you to tell me the backstory about the pastor or that worship leader or who he's dating or what's his mom like. I don't care about any of that. None of that stuff is important. However, theology matters. I want to know what he believes. Then I want to know if he believes truth backing this all up to say we're not sitting here gossiping about chris reed okay mm -hmm. this is just the sermon the message the line and none of this is personal of him at all all of this is theological stuff that he said that he believes so um yeah i know nothing about chris personally um but what he is he said from the pulpit he said that he believes that the sin nature and the divine nature coexist inside of us. That the divine nature and the sin nature are both together in us now. Now, even from the reading of Ezekiel that I spoke earlier, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Even from that, you can see that there is a removal of something. There is oh, a removal good. of that nature. That's good. 
And so scripturally, we're not seeing where this could be true. Um, so he spent the whole sermon speaking of the sin nature. So he was talking about how people still struggle with things despite the fact that they are saved. So that is that is true that people will sometimes struggle with things. We can talk about sanctification at a later time, but that's not what we're addressing. He, the reason for the struggle is not this, and that's what we're talking about today. So he claimed that Jesus did not have a sin nature because he didn't have a human father. And what we know about blood, what we know about making a covenant, when we make a, when we make a covenant, we need to go back, go back to the, the covenant between God and man in ancient culture, which would actually be the, a lot of it is the culture of God. Covenants cannot be broken. Hmm. They, regardless of the type of covenant you make, you cannot break a covenant unless one of the parties dies. So in order for a covenant to be made and then broken, in the case of God and Israel, and Israel being a stand-in for all of humanity, there's one, there's two ways to end the covenant. Either all of humanity dies or God dies. Mm. So the covenant that we got out of, the Mosaic covenant that was then renewed through the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, that covenant could only be ended by one party dying. Wow. Now, what we also know what happened in this covenant is that man is completely redeemed. Now, whether you believe whatever we have on this side of heaven or not, majority of Christians believe that because man has been redeemed, we can now get into heaven. That's like bare minimum that is part of the gospel, but all churches, regardless of what they believe about humans on earth, what they believe about the Holy Spirit, they all believe man is redeemed so that man can get into heaven. Even if that is the bare minimum of your theology, in order for a man to be redeemed, a man has to die, which means a whole man in the way that he is now. Mm. And when Adam and Eve fell, we had a whole chemical makeup shift. We went from being alive to being dead, dead in the spirit, mm. which then affected the soul and the body. So, this disconnection from life from from god in it started in the spirit right and then it it corrupted our whole being 
So in order for that to be redeemed, even if it doesn't get redeemed, even if you don't believe there's no redemption before heaven, in order for you to get into heaven, the whole of man has to die. So if Jesus died without a human spirit, an Adamic spirit, he would not have redeemed Adamic man. That's good. That's super good. There would be no redemption on either side of heaven if Jesus did not die with the Adamic spirit, which Mm. has a sin nature. Yeah. So you can clearly, clearly see that humans without Christ still have that dead spirit, that Adamic spirit, the sin nature. But there is a difference between Christians and non-Christians. And then even more so a difference between Christians who are in the spirit and Christians who are in their flesh. Mm -hmm. Again, a separate conversation. But I just need to lay that groundwork that we need to understand that even if you didn't understand Romans 6, this theory still does not track with redemption. (laughs) Yeah. Even if you didn't believe that to be true. And we have proved through scripture that it is true, that presently we have a new spirit and that God has removed that old nature. So there is some things that uh, Chris spoke on that did not have a scriptural basis. So there's really no way to debunk it through scripture. Um, But we're, I'm going to mention it just because sometimes humans get caught up in details that God didn't tell us about, and maybe they aren't so important. Right. And maybe there are prophets who've been caught up to heaven who could speak to this better, but Mm. I'm going to address it because we need to talk about how it just doesn't matter. Yes. So he said of Jesus that Jesus did not have a sin nature because he bypassed it because it is passed through the Father, which again, I talked about he had to have it in order to redeem man. Yes. We do know that his mother, Mary, did have a sin nature because she was born a human. And also, he would not need the Holy Spirit to come upon him to start his ministry if he was using his God nature. Yes. He chose to minister as a human with the Holy Spirit doing the work of the ministry. Yes. Yes. It said that God grew, that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Mm-hmm. There's no need for that if he already had it all just stepping right out of, right out of heaven. Yeah. He, he chose to do it as a human and he chose to do it not through his own God nature, but as a righteous man who God rested upon. Yeah, Chris Valentin has one of my favorite quotes. Chris Chris Valentin has so many of my favorite quotes. I just love Chris Valentin. But he said, the son of God became the son of man so that sons of uh, men can be sons of God. And so, yeah, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. The son of God became the son of man so that sons of men can be sons of God. You just sent me that, um, that sermon immediately. All right. So more claims from uh, Chris. He talked about the blood of Jesus, um, basically saying that because he was God, that this blood was 
like it wasn't going to go physically bad so that when his grave was opened, uh, there would be no smell because there, like the blood, his, his body was supernatural. It just didn't go through any of the natural, um, breakdown that a human body would go through. He said that he believed that rigor mortis never set in because he had supernatural blood and that his body would not stink. There is no basis in scripture for this. This really just seemed to to come from either man's own wisdom or his own opinion, but there is nothing scriptural that he based it on. He did not quote any scripture in regards to this claim. Does it matter? Does it matter if Jesus's body decomposed or not? Not really, because no. whether his body decomposed as God or man is not important. What is important is that he died as man. What happened to his body after he left his body does not affect the message. It doesn't affect the gospel. It does not really affect us at all. The no. detail is not put in scripture because, again, what does this mean to us? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. After he left his body, he descended into hell, as is detailed in either first or second Peter. I get so confused when there's a sequel to a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he descended and he went down to hell and he took back the keys of death in the grave and he came back victorious and ascended to the right hand of his father. And after that, you know, who who knows what happened to his physical blood on earth that came from his human body. And how much of that, yeah, like you said, how much of that is important to know to build a foundation of truth in your relationship with the Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. I just want to, as far as the, um, because the divinity of Christ is a debate that has happened often. And the, the, the debate is this, did he lay aside his divinity um, to dwell here on this earth? And some people will argue that he was fully God and fully man. He laid aside his, I'm saying my belief is that he laid aside his divinity um, for all the reasons that you said, Jamie, for all the reasons that you said, my belief is that he, re- he laid aside his divinity when he stepped and chose to come through the birth canal of a woman and grow up as humanly functioned. Right. Um, I'm just going to read to you Philippians two, five. Okay. Um, Actually, 2-7, Philippians 2-7, but he poured himself out, taking on the form of a slave in the likeness of men, having been born in the likeness and found in the appearance as man, as man. He humbled himself, having become obedient to death, and that death was by a cross. And so I'm reading through the, the Greek lexicon. I'm not reading through um complete Jewish or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, I, I only, that, what you're talking about or, or his claims have just sparked a memory because I was doing a study in Philippians and I remember being like, oh man, I forgot that that was even in Philippians. I'm thinking that's the joy book. That's the Paul wrote that in prison. So he's like, have peace, have joy despite his chains. And I forgot that in Philippians is where Paul made the argument that he was fully man. He took on the form of a man, having the appearance of a man and dwelling here as man. And so the biblical claim as to some of the things that Chris Reed is saying is 
Yeah. I uh, I love that Paul snuck that into the joy book. He just put some dense theology right in the middle yeah. in this very digestible way. It's like sandwiching good theology with jokes. Yes. Um, the, the last uh, point that I want to um, pick at that Chris said, there was a, there was a lot that was um, expanded upon within these ideas that as you could imagine, my eyes rolled back so far into my head that um, I was looking at my brain the majority of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is, this is the last claim that I will talk about hopefully. Um, So he said, as a Christian upon salvation, you still have a sin nature, but it loses power like unplugging an appliance. But we can reactivate it with self-righteousness or other sin or with bad theology. <laughs> with bad theology, sort of like sort of like this sermon. Sort of like spoke. this sermon. That is what ladies and gentlemen, that is the definition of irony. And I think this just goes back to um, what I was saying earlier, that we must see ourselves as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus in order to live this truth out. Yeah. If you see yourself as, oh, if I stumble again, I'm going to plug my sin nature back and it's going to come back to life. Yep. Or who plugged it in when you weren't looking? Oh, my gosh. Or did you believe something and now it's plugged back in? Now it's plugged back in. Now it's plugged back in. Um, I I probably will reiterate pieces of my testimony a hundred times over. So if you hear this, this is my first time saying it in episode two, but if you hear it until kingdom comes, I don't apologize. One of my biggest hurdles in um, overcoming sin through bad theology was being told that one, we're sinners saved by grace, but also we all fall short and we always will fall short of the glory of God. And as a teenager, when I heard that verse, it made me just, it was like disheartening. I was like, well, if we're always going to fall short, why should I even try? And so bad theology does lead you to believe that. Bad theology almost condones your bad behavior because if you're told, well, you're just always going to sin. It's part of your nature. That's like when people tell you, I'm only human. Like, um, or when they tell you that your heart is wicked. Well, that's that's why I do bad things. I, I steal, I lie, I hate because I'm wicked. And I'm talking about those who know Christ, okay? Your, your vocabulary becomes that through bad theology. So the irony that he would say that, because, hello, bad theology, if I believe that my sinful nature is as easy as plugging and unplugging, then by all means, like I could turn it off, turn it off, clap on, (laughs) clap off. You know what I mean? Like just do that with my sin nature. But when you believe truth and you believe truth, um, like in Galatians 2.20, that tells you that my old nature, my old self, my sinful nature had been crucified on the cross with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the faith that I live now is the faith that I live in by the son of God. Um, 
when I believe that truth that my old nature has been co-crucified, that my old nature was put to death on the cross, that I am dead to sin, which means that I'm not available to sin's influence. When you believe that and you do make a mistake, oh, when you do make a mistake and you do something that is sinful, there's a big difference here. And this this episode, again, there's so many things that we can just go in so many different directions, but we won't because we have social lives that we want to get to. But the idea that um, after Christ, the sin nature has been dealt with. That's what he needed to take on the cross. When he died, you died too. We read this in Romans 6. Sometimes you kind of question what must have died, right? Like if if I don't remember dying, I don't remember being crucified with Christ. I don't remember, but if he needed to do it on the cross, what did he kill? What did he need? What, what was crucified? Your old nature. Why did my old nature need to be crucified? So that it no longer ruled over you. That's why Christ came so that the authority, the power, and the influence of sin no longer rules over you. You can read that in Romans 7, 3, and 4. Um, but I'll say this, that be- when you hear that theology, when you hear Basuda and it comes through and um, you hear that and you know truth, easily you're able to flush out the bad theology and go, no, no, no. There's no way that a sin nature and a divine nature, nature can co-dwell in here. I am a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in here. I am not sinful to the core. I'm not rotten to the core. I am Jesus to the core because Jesus now lives in me, which means that something had to get evicted and it was my sinful nature. And so what that means is that because, you know, everyone's question, I know what you're thinking as you're driving, but I do sin. Now that you are in Christ and that sinful nature has been crucified and left on the cross, it has been buried and it stayed in the grave. Now that you're in Christ and the power and influence and the authority of sin in your life is gone, what what happens is that sin goes from being a noun to a verb, which means that you no longer identify as a sinner. You no longer identify with your sinful nature. What you now identify as is, one, a partaker of his divine nature, says in First Peter, right? But two... Um, because you've been born again, you now have been co-raised with Christ. You have been um, born again into your new nature. And what I'm saying is this. In your new nature, now that you have relinquished the power of sin in your life by accepting Christ through faith, believing that on the cross he dealt with your sinful habits on the on the cross he dealt with your alcoholism he dealt with your sleeping around he dealt with your lying he dealt with your stealing he dealt with your um same sex attraction he dealt with all of that on the cross now you don't have to identify it in it as a sinful nature sin is what you do it's no longer who you are and as what Jamie was talking about where sanctification is a whole nother is a whole nother topic. Right now we're talking about the justification, which is you are now seeing rightly with Christ. And that's why you have a divine nature. Justification is the first step. So through your justification, um, you are now, <laughs> your spirit is as pure as Jesus is because he gave you his spirit. He put his spirit in you, Ezekiel. 
His spirit in you is divine. It's not tainted. It's not polluted. It's his spirit. To say it's tainted, it's polluted, it's broken, it's sinful. To say that Jesus's nature is polluted, sinful, broken, you know what I mean? It would be, it's an illogical fallacy. It can't be. And it's not biblical. Ultimately, aside from even being an illogical fallacy, it's not Bible. (laughs) Ultimately, it's not Bible. And so show me in a Bible where, where, and we, we can go, we can, you know, go eight or nine rounds and I'll tell you why you're wrong. But um, ultimately, this is why we talked about sinners saved by grace. After death, right? AD, which at that after death means you too. After you died and you were co-raised and now that you're raised with Christ and you're a new creation, you are no longer identified as a sinner, which means that sin is not um, who you are, is what you do, which is the whole sanctification thing. Meaning you make mistakes. <laughs> this is what that means, but it's not your identity. And when you listen to bad theology that tells you it's your identity, well, you behave as you believe. So if you believe that you are a sinner, if you believe that you are an appliance, I get plugged in and unplugged and plugged in and unplugged. When you believe all that, then that's the truth that, um, that dictates your soul. And then you'll make bad decisions all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And like what you were saying about, um, you know, what what motivation is it to try to live righteously if we believe that we cannot? That's just not good news. It's not. That's just not good news. Like That is not good news. I think what people need to remember is that Israel wasn't concerned about going to hell. Israel believed that just by being Jewish, they were going to end up in Abraham's bosom. They -hmm. were going to be with Abraham when they died. And this gospel went to the Jews first. This is a Jewish faith that then was given to the Gentiles who didn't believe in hell at all. Right. They believed in like reincarnation or whatever, like they, whatever their culture, their gods told them, many of them believing things about the afterlife. None of them believed in heaven or hell. None of them that the gospel was preached to. Again, Israel believed that they were safe. They were going to be with Abraham when they die. Gentiles believed they were either going to be reincarnated or they were going to live in a pyramid for the rest of their lives, whatever. (laughs) The gospel is good news to people who don't believe in hell. Yes. Why? Because the gospel is not for the dead. It is for the living. Come on. When Israel received the good news, some of them weren't able to receive it. Why? Because they were told that when God brought a Messiah to rescue them, it was going to give them authority and reign on the earth. They believed that would look like Israel at its finest under King David, under King Solomon. We're going to have a king that's going to reign in our land and we're going to have authority over all the other nations and they're going to serve us like they were always supposed to. We're going to be that nation, bitch. (laughs) But it didn't look like that. No. It looked like 
humans having authority over their ultimate enemy because Israel's ultimate enemy was not other nations. Humanity's ultimate enemy is the serpent who deceived us. When you are facing an enemy that operates in deception, you overcome that enemy with truth. Right. So when the good news was given to these cultures, Paul and the apostles were not selling them on going to heaven. They weren't concerned about where they were going when they died. They were concerned about this life. They were selling them a new way of living now. And they were selling them a God that related to them and that would be with them because majority of these people were worshiping something and living their life with some spirit that they believed were was taking care of them. And they were given the spirit of Jesus to truly take care of them in yeah. a healthy way. And then on top of that, the signs and wonders backed up the preaching of the true gospel. Yes. Yeah. So the good news has to look good to people who are living on earth now. That's how yeah. it was in the book of Acts. It's how it was in the early church. And if we have departed from that, that is not the gospel. It's not. And the gospel is way more than just fire insurance, where you believe that I'm going to believe this just enough to get me into heaven. And it's never been just about getting you to heaven, but getting heaven into you, which is his divine nature. And you can't do that if you're selling a lie that your divine nature and your sin nature coexist like Siamese twins. And so um, we just had to attack the bad theology with good theology to tell you. And in light of the gospel, I'll just remind you of Romans 1, 16, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel since it's God's powerful means of bringing salvation to everyone who keeps on trusting. And I think some translations even say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. It's the power. It is the power of God unto salvation. And so nowhere does it mean it's the gospel is just a means of getting me to a destination. You are the destination. You're the dwelling place of God. And so um, it's a truth thing and it will always be a truth thing. The enemy of your soul will always be unbelief. And so what you have to do is believe truth. And as goofy as we can be, you went from a place like you're you're like, what type of podcast is this? You're talking about entertainment. You talked about worship. You talked about Tori Kelly. Uh, you talked about Chandler Moore. You talked about pads. You talked about Tampax and Budweiser and Dylan Mulaney. And now we're talking about your sin nature and how you are the dwelling place of God. And to that, we say, welcome to Happy and Holy. This is the podcast where we tell you that Jesus came to make you both happy and holy. And that's not a place you can get to if you listen to bad theology. 
Mm-hmm. Because believing that you are the, the dwelling place of both a sin nature and a divine nature is bad news. That's a church that wants you to be holy but not happy. But Jesus came to make you both. Jesus came to make you both. Jesus came to make you both. And so um, with that, we are we are piecing out. We'll save our get it together for next episode. Because I'm sure we overloaded you with a lot of gospel, a lot of gospel truth. And so (laughs) we hope you enjoyed this episode and we cannot wait to see you until the next one. Again, we are on all platforms that podcasts are streaming and of course, YouTube and of course, Instagram at happy and holy co (laughs) Instagram on YouTube as happy and holy TV on spotify and apple and amazon and google as happy and holy please like subscribe and share wherever you see us of course email us comment let us know that you're listening let us know what you're gleaning give us your questions we'll try to have answers but we love you and until next time stay happy and be holy